Wow, it is incredible to be here. And uh, I wish you could somehow, even though it's impossible, find a way into like my heart and mind and soul and experience what I'm experiencing right now. What a joy to be with you here this morning, this July 4th, 2021. And uh, those who have ever heard me preach or teach over the years, you'll know I'll say it often, that there's only one July 4th, 2021 ever. And God has something special in store for you today. He has a word for you, and I'm grateful to be here. I just want to give another word of thanks and say thank you so much for your prayers. For those of you who have been praying for me and my wife, Laurie, my four daughters, Cambria, Avery, Karis, and Eliana, we thank you for your prayers for the pastor nominating committee, elders, deacons, prayer groups, small groups, classes, individuals. Thank you. Uh, Because today marks a new chapter, right? It marks a new chapter in our faith and life stories. It's a new chapter in my life, a new chapter in your life as we come together, right? It's been said that all of us, no doubt, all of us have stories in our life. Isn't it true? As you think about your life, you think about run the, play the movie of your life, there's lots of stories. In reality, though, we are a story, right? And God is the author, and we get to be the co-author with him in our story. So our stories have chapters, and it's significant when new chapters begin, and it provides fresh opportunities for God to work, fresh opportunities for us to be attuned to what he has for us. And so welcome to this new chapter because um, our life stories are coming together. One of my favorite things to do with, with couples when I take them through premarital counseling is to reflect on their stories, right? to think about their stories, what they've come through, who they are, their strengths, their weaknesses, and their experiences, and then to paint the picture of two life stories coming together to form a new shared story in the covenant of marriage and to affirm that and show that on the day of a wedding. It's a powerful thing. In a similar way, Today is that type of feeling because my life story is intersecting now with your life stories here with New Providence Presbyterian Church. Now, in some ways, no doubt, it's a little bit unique because our stories intersected years ago, right? I was a little preschooler on scooters right out there, right beyond out there, crashing into that garage. And so there's probably some bumps with, as I have a bump on my head, it might have been from that garage out there. Um, But our life stories intersected. So in some ways, this is like, um, high school, or like those who knew each other in high school, because my parents moved away 27 years ago when I graduated high school, and two individuals, like it's like two individuals who knew each other in high school but are getting reacquainted as our life stories come back together. Um, but when life stories come together, it takes time. It takes, it takes renew, new experiences to get to know each other. Isn't that true with all relationships, right? As you get to know each other, you have to form new, you have to have new experiences, form new memories, I know that was the case with my wife, Lori. When we first met, I remember our first date. Um, it was in the Reston Town Center in uh, Northern Virginia. And we, I remember sitting down over dinner and those initial conversations, trying to uh, get to know her, asking her questions, her asking me questions, and the subsequent dates, those first experiences. Now, if I were to go back in time, and Lori and I have reflected on this, if we were to go back in time, we probably would see how awkward those conversations were. <laughs> And we also reflect about the first couple of years of marriage. We wish or somewhat wish we could go back in time and see like those Saturday mornings when maybe the dishes weren't done or those different moments and how awkward it was because we had to get to know each other, right? Relationships, it takes time to get to know each other. And so as we come together uh, this morning, this July 4th, 2021, whether you're here in person or joining us online, um, we're beginning this new chapter. And it's gonna take some time. 
right? It takes some time to get to know each other. It takes some time for these new experiences. And for that reason, in many ways, leadership for me, as I think about being called to serve as your pastor, leadership is like, for me, it's like a dance. Like a dance. Right? There's lots of images and metaphors for leadership, but for me, a dance has always been a primary one. As you think about a dance, as two people learn to dance and dance together, it takes time. And in the beginning, you step on each other's toes a little bit. And you have to learn from each other. And the one who's leading and guiding um, has to earn the trust of the one who's following. And it takes time. And so today we enter into what I'm going to call this dance. It's a positive dance, right? And, and so I think about the times where I learned how to dance um, I mean, it goes all the way back to high school. Now, in middle school, if you remember your middle school days, I'm not trying to resurrect bad memories, right? But if you remember your middle school days, I know for me, like, the dances were very awkward. Like, the, boy, the guys were always hiding in the corner, right? And, 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 the, and the girls were out there having fun. The guys are hiding in the corner. And then when a slow song would come up, just maybe, just maybe one or two guys or maybe more would get the confidence to step out and ask someone to dance, um, but most of the time it was awkward. And then in high school, things started to kick up a bit. I remember when I got into high school, I'm like, I need to be a part of the dance. And so my dad offered to help me learn how to dance. Now I'm glad there's no footage. I'm glad there was no phones and recordings. Um, because if it was, I probably would not be your pastor. You'd be like, to get rid of this guy. This guy's awkward, right? And, but my dad, I remember he turned on the music. He's like, Jeff, listen to the music. Feel the music. Feel the rhythms. Bend your knees, right? Get with it. Later I found out, I didn't realize this, that my dad, who grew up in Chinatown in New York City, uh, was like he won dance contests in the city. Like salsa, merengue, it's crazy, right? I mean, he was, his older sister Dorothy taught him how to dance and then he surpassed her and was this amazing dancer. Now my sister Heather picked up those dance moves. She was quite a dancer and some of you know her, right? She was a great dancer, me less so. But I tried, and then I remember getting into college and swing dancing was making a comeback. And so I took a couple prep step classes, things like twirls and twists and, 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 and dips and drops, and I learned a couple basic moves. So when I met Laurie and we're like, hey, let's go swing dancing. She's like, wanna go swing dancing sometime. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> See, she had been dancing, uh, she had gone to these different dance events with friends, and so she had been with some really good dancers, and I was super intimidated. But I had about four moves. And I'm like, I'm going to use those four moves. Maybe I was a little mechanical. I went to, engin I went to engineering school, right? So I, I had my four moves. And, and again, in the beginning with the dance, it was a little awkward. I tried the moves. Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. But over time, we discovered that rhythm and that joy. And so that's the picture I put before you this morning as we start a new sermon series, my first sermon series with you, and it's called Let's Dance. Can you say those words with me? Let's dance. Man, you do participate here. All right, good. I was a little nervous this morning. I'm like, if I say that, everyone's going to be like, no. So let's say it again. Let's dance, right? I invite you to this dance. Um, because in the weeks ahead, what I'm going to do is not bring dance moves. That'd be awkward. I'm going to bring some, some moves, biblical moves, topics and key areas of teaching where God has impacted my life. And I could have a choice. I could have held these back and said, hey, these will be sermon series for years ahead. But I'm going to come out right away with four, six, eight moves, key areas where God has impacted my life. Because I want you to get a window into my faith um, so that you'd also see my heart, not only for God, but my heart for you. 
and my heart for our community that God loves so much. And so the rest of the summer, each week, it's going to be a standalone topic, and it's going to be, in essence, moves so we can get to know each other. Again, you get to know my heart, my heart for Christ, my heart for you, my heart for our community. And this will begin that step where, yes, it may be a little awkward at points. It may step on your toes a little bit. That's okay. And you'll step on my toes, but we're going to find that rhythm over time. So where does this come from? All right, this comes from Jesus. Right, Jesus, who in his teaching reveals how he relates to us as his followers. And as you look through scripture, you see his teachings, you see his life. What I love in the Gospel of John Right, there's these seven statements, right, these statements that begin with the words, I am, where Jesus reveals who he is, reveals his identity, reveals his character. And in these I am statements, which are significant because in the Old Testament, when God revealed his name, I am who I am, this spoke to Jesus' identity, his identity as the son of God, right, in, in flesh. The son of God who reveals what God is like, and so as we look at these I am statements, we get a sense of what God is like. And so we're going to look at one today. And it's the statement, I am the good shepherd. And in light of a dance, in light of this idea of there's a leader and there's a follower, we're going to consider what it means to be in a dance with our Savior. As his, we sang the words, all the way my Savior leads me. As we learn to trust, we learn to listen, trust, and follow Jesus. Not only, not only individually, but together as a church family. So we're going to look at John chapter 10. It's a longer passage, verses 1 through 18. And to set up this passage, right, Jesus had just, in John chapter 9, Jesus had just healed a man who was born blind. And it was a big deal. And after he had healed this man, this man had given credit to Jesus, and the religious leaders would have no part of it. Right? The Pharisees, these religious leaders, had, would have no part of it. And they pushed this man away because he had a positive view of Jesus. And so after this event, Jesus then provides this teaching, and he contrasts different kinds of leaders. And here he reveals himself as the good shepherd, as opposed to other leaders that we'll see that he describes. And so if you have your Bible, which I encourage you, I don't know if that's been the practice here, I encourage you to bring a physical Bible to worship. Yes, you could use your phones and you won't be judged for that, but I know for me, if I have my phone and I get a notification about a sports score or about something else, I'm like, my mind's already out there. I'm like, there's a doubleheader today between the Mets and Yankees. I'm already gone, right? So like, I just messed up all the guys in the room. So that, but if you, know, if you have a physical Bible, bring it or follow along on the screen. Let me, uh, let's dive into this passage. And there's a lot here um, to cover. So verse, starting in verse one, Jesus said this, Verily, truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. 
Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. All right, amen. This is God's word. As we look at this passage, right, we get a picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. And he says, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. We're going to focus on him as the good shepherd today. And from this, we'll see that Jesus, he reveals different aspects of leadership, right? Leadership in terms of influence, leadership in terms of guiding and leading another person or a group. And I want to call out five different aspects of leadership that we see in this passage. I mean, there's even more than those five. In fact, there's so many treasures in this passage. I encourage you this week, make this your Bible study. Take John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Read it multiple times and just, it's like a, a, an incredible buffet of food. Go in there and just eat it because there's so much good stuff in this passage. But I'm going to focus on five aspects of leadership, right? First, we see that the good shepherd calls and knows his sheep by name. Right, the good shepherd, we see this in verse 3, calls his sheep and knows them by name. Right, I'm still in awe, right, as I think about ancient shepherds and even shepherds in part of the world today who when they're with their sheep, they know their sheep and they know them by name, individually. Right, for me, I see a picture of a sheep or a, or a poster or something and it's a sheep. Right, I mean, and I mean, it's just a bunch of sheep, but a shepherd knows each one by name. And what's incredible is that Jesus, who reveals what God is like, reveals that Jesus, as the good shepherd knows his sheep, knows them by name. God knows us by name. Do you know that today? That God knows you by name. Right? He's created you. He loves you. Your very fingerprint is unique. There's no other DNA like you. God knows you by name, meaning you are important to God, right? You are beloved, right? You're cherished, you're precious, and you're special, and you're a treasure to God, right? You may not feel that today as you reflect on your life story and what you've experienced, but what Jesus reveals and what Scripture reveals is that is who you are, right? No matter what you've gone through. And so Jesus, as a good shepherd, reveals that he knows his sheep, 
and he knows them by name, right? That's one aspect of leadership. The next aspect of leadership is that the good shepherd goes ahead of his sheep and they follow him because they know his voice, right? There's such an intimate relationship. We see this in verse four between the good shepherd and the sheep that when they hear his voice, there's something unique about the voice. I mean, scientists have done studies, right? As you think about your voice and how unique it is and that the sheep are able to be attuned to the shepherd to the point that they know his voice, and not just know about his voice, but they trust his voice. They trust his voice because of how the shepherd's taking care of the sheep, right? how he's watched over them and led them. We'll get in a moment to where he leads them. Right? The shepherd is trustworthy, and therefore the sheep, when they hear his voice, there's a sense of comfort and strength, and they follow him. That's an aspect of the good shepherd. Right alongside that, the good shepherd, as we see next, is he leads the sheep to pasture. We see this in verse 9 and then even in verse 10. In verse 9, we see how the sheep are led to pasture, meaning places where they can flourish. Right? We read in the great Psalm 23 that God makes us lie down in green pastures. Right? In green pastures. And that's a, a place of, of flourishing, a place of feeding, and ultimately a place of safety. Right? On this Independence Day, July 4th, right, we celebrate our freedoms that we have as a country. Right? And freedoms don't come easy. It comes with sacrifice. And over the course of human history, right, humans have longed for freedom and security, but oftentimes at the cost of one or the other. Right? If there's security, there tends to be a lack of freedom. If there's freedom, sometimes there's a lack of security. But here we read, because of the good shepherd, he brings them to pasture. It's a picture of where they have both. And we receive that ultimately in Christ. And so here we see the good shepherd leads his sheep to pasture. Fourth, we see that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right? We see this in verse 11. Right? Ultimately, the shepherd's willing to do whatever it takes. The shepherd's willing to, to sacrificially give on behalf of the sheep because he knows the sheep, he loves the sheep. He'll ultimately give it all, including his life. And Jesus, no doubt, we see that he, li he lived this out. Right? Laying down his life, dying on the cross, for the forgiveness of our sins, right? Breaking the power of sin and breaking the power of shame and giving us that full freedom and security that we can receive in him. So the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lastly, we see that the shepherd, the good shepherd, seeks out other sheep as well. We see this in verse 16, kind of cryptic words that Jesus provides. He says, that, he says I have other sheep and they're gonna come and listen to my voice and there'll be one shepherd and one flock. We see that in verse 16. We see that the good shepherd, though he cares for his sheep, he's also looking for additional sheep, sheep that he can care for and love and lead. And so we see five aspects of the good shepherd and, and the leadership here in this passage. As we think about godly leadership, right? Godly leadership knows the name of the people. Godly leadership, right, goes ahead and the people follow because they know that leadership's voice and that voice is trustworthy. Godly leadership Right, leads people to pasture, right, to, to Christ ultimately and to good places. Godly leadership sacrificially gives for the people, and godly leadership also seeks to include more and more people in the grace of Jesus Christ. And so as we think about what is godly leadership, and we think about uh, Jesus as a good shepherd, coming back to this notion of a dance, um, I humbly submit to you today that that is my aim and goal. Will I always live up to these aspects of leadership? Absolutely not. 
I'm going to let you know up front, I will let you down at different points. I will disappoint you. I am a human being. I may be on a stage, but I am as just as much of a human being as you are. With that said, my commitment to you, though, is my number one priority, my number one role is, and task is to stay as close to Jesus as possible. Right? As I wake up every morning and pray, God, grow my faith in Christ. As I stay as close to Jesus as possible, as I stay as close to the good shepherd as possible, he will continually reshape my heart and give me a love for you, to shepherd you as New Providence Presbyterian Church, and to lead us forward into this new chapter. And in doing so, to point you to the good shepherd so that you also will continually grow and learn more and more what it means to hear the voice of the good shepherd, to trust the good shepherd, and to follow him in your life. And so that is the commitment I have to you and, and, and really in many ways, the call to this dance that God's given to us. Let me say it again. Let's wake up. Let's say let's dance. Let's dance. I love it. I invite you to this dance, and I call you to this dance, and God is calling us to this dance into this new chapter. So how are we going to do this, right? I ask you and I urge you, first and foremost today, wherever you are, uh, to either commit or recommit to following Jesus. Right? To commit or to recommit to following Jesus. Um, as Mike prayed, maybe some of you are here today in person or joining us online, and you haven't taken that step of faith to say, I believe, Jesus, you are who you said you are. That you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And that everything that stands between me and God has been taken away if I embrace the one who embraces me. If that is where you want to be, then you've come to the right place. And if you're new with us, guess what? I'm new too, so welcome, right? <laughs> and we could all do this together, right? So to commit to follow Jesus or recommit this day, July 4th, 2021. Make this a different kind of Independence Day. Not independence from God, but independence from running away from God. Because true freedom is found in Christ, right? Commit to following Christ. Second, commit to getting to know me. Now, I can't get to know all hundreds of you right, right away. But make that commitment. I'm committed to get to know you. And it's going to take some time. And it's going to take me visiting lots of groups and getting to know our leaders over time. And some of you will want to will dive in right away and want to have coffee or meet at the diner like within hours. That's fine. Others will want to sit back and wait. And that's okay, too. But commit to getting to know me as I commit to get to know you. And last, I ask that you commit to re-engaging with New Providence Presbyterian Church. And as we come into this new chapter, both in terms of new senior pastor here, but also coming through the pandemic. All right, and so how are we to do this? Number one, it requires prayer. Right? Of course, that's the Sunday morning. That's the right answer, right, to pray. But what I mean is really do it. And I invite you, I left my phone, I invite you to set an alarm on your phone for this week. Every day to go off and just title it prayer. Even if you take 30 seconds, right, to pray for New Providence Presbyterian Church and to pray and ask God, what is my place and role with New Providence Presbyterian Church? So whether that's in the morning, some of you may set that alarm for 6.30 in the morning. Some of you may set the alarm for 11 o'clock at night. Some everywhere in between, right? For seven days for this week, I ask that you set an alarm and pray that prayer. Second, I ask that you commit to worship, to our worship services. And so whether in person, if you're in town and you're able to gather with us, come and join us in worship. Or if you're out of town, to connect online. Because in the coming weeks, again, I'm gonna share some of the key teaching themes that are gonna become sermon series for the years ahead. 
but I'm just gonna share it up front, right? What I've learned, one thing about dancing is sometimes if you overanalyze, you find yourself like maybe holding back some of your best moves. I'm not messing around. I'm just gonna come out with the best stuff in the first two or three months. All my mentors have said, don't do that. Like, like save, you know, stretch it out over 10, 15, 20 years. But I'm just gonna go for it. And then you'll see that in like five years, we'll be like, didn't, didn't he preach on that? On, but it's because it's a whole series, not just because I'm reusing a sermon. So it'll be a whole series going forward. So commit to worship because if you wanna get to know me and you wanna dance, you have to come to the dance floor. And the dance floor involves worship and our worship services, not just for the sermon, but for the prayers and lifting up the songs and all that's involved with worship. Um, so with that said, um, I want to leave you with a couple questions, and whether this becomes a, a weekly practice or not, I'll determine it, but I've seen this to be helpful in the past. I want to leave you with some questions to consider, uh, whether individually or with others. So these questions can be, you could talk about this over lunch, you could talk about this later today or sometime this week. Some of you may be journalers like me. I love journaling. Uh, to take these questions, I'll post these out on our Facebook page as well. So the first question I have is, who is someone in your life that you have learned to trust over time, and how did that trust develop? All right, think about that. Maybe in a conversation over lunch or later today or sometime this week. Think about your relationships. Who's someone that you've learned to trust, and how did that trust develop? Second, um, to what extent, and this is an x-ray question, an x-ray of the heart, right? To what extent do you consider Jesus as your good shepherd, right, in terms of how you hear, trust, and follow his voice and leading in your life, right? Be honest with God, right? Be honest with yourself. And in the conversation, honest with others, to what extent, right, is Jesus, do you trust and follow his voice in your life? And be honest to say, if there's places where you resist him or you ignore him, note that. Um, because as we see here in this passage, right, a good shepherd is like a trainer and a, and a good trainer wants to help you move forward. And for me, as a, like a spiritual trainer, it's good to get a snapshot of where you are before you try and move forward. So I think right out of the gate this July 4th, ask God to what extent you consider Jesus as your good shepherd. Lastly, identify one specific way right, that you will commit to following him more closely as you engage or re-engage with New Providence Presbyterian Church, right, in this new chapter. Um, so if you've, maybe you're, again, if you're new today, you're visiting for the first time here in person, you're visiting with us online, again, welcome, I'm new as well, right, so we can start fresh. This is a great time to step into a church family. Whenever there's a change like we're going through here, both, I mean, this is multiple change, right? New senior pastor coming through the pandemic, a great time to find your place in a church family. It's almost like a, a church plant because we're gonna be rebuilding, right? Find your place. If you've been with this church for 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years, even longer, right? Find, recommit to that place or maybe there's something else that God's calling to you within this body, but find your place and, Lastly, I have a special word for those maybe who have stepped away or have fallen away either because of the pandemic or because of other matters. And so whether, you're, again, you're here in person and you've stepped away from New Providence Presbyterian Church, but you're here visiting uh, this morning, or you're joining us online and you've stepped away from New Providence Presbyterian Church, whether because of the pandemic or other matters, uh, my invitation to you is if you haven't found a spiritual home, come home to us. Come home. Um, and we'll do the work. We'll do the work of reconciliation. We'll do all the work that's needed. 
but you have a home here. And my prayer is that all of us would find that home, not under my leadership, but ultimately under the leadership of Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd. So you ready to dance? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Can we say those words, let's dance? Let's dance. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, help us to come to the dance floor. Lord, you're inviting us, and you're the good shepherd. Lord, we can trust you. You're not going to drop us. You're not going to lose us, and you're not going to embarrass us. God, you love us. You are the God who destroyed shame. You're not the God who creates shame. So, Lord, I ask and pray, Lord, for every single person who has heard this message, whether today or in the future online, God, that you would be calling them to dance, calling them back to you, calling them to engage or re-engage in a relationship with you and also to be a part of New Providence Presbyterian Church. Lord, I pray specifically for those who do not have a church home or a spiritual home, maybe some who have stepped away or those who are new, that you would give them a sense that they can do this, that they can come home. And I pray for us as New Providence Presbyterian Church that we would welcome them home. And for the rest, Lord, who have been here and been through this pandemic, God, that you would reinvigorate our faith, our faith in you, and even our faith in one another, Lord, as we follow you together. So may this week, Lord, may we pray every day asking you towards these ends. And Lord, may we commit to worship and we look forward to the weeks ahead as we gather and consider these topics, as we learn what it means to follow you and truly to dance um, in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.